Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. This is Carlotta Jackson, and I'm here with my husband, Robert Jackson, and he is going to be sharing with you further messages from his illustration about the baseball diamond, and today he's going to address third base. It is a, an interesting lesson because so many people have misunderstood Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and it is something he grew to understand when he was in college, and exactly what the role does the Holy Spirit have in our lives? How does he direct our lives? And he entitled this, Robert entitled this lesson, How to be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Robert, you want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is? Well, thank you, Miss Carlotta. And as you said, uh, this is our third lesson in our series of lessons on growing in the Christian life. First base was how to be sure you're a Christian. Second base was having a daily quiet time. And third base is what it means to be a Spirit-filled Christian. And in answer to your question, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, that's an excellent question, and lots of people are confused about who exactly is the Holy Spirit. First of all, let us make it plain that the Holy Spirit is God. We hear God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. It's been said that he who tries to deny the Trinity will lose his soul. But he who tries to define the Trinity will lose his mind. It's hard for us as finite human beings to understand how God can be three persons in one. There is the Father who is the righteous judge. There is the Son who is the perfect Lamb of God. And there is the Spirit who is the agent of our redemption. He is the one who convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He is the one who causes us to be regenerated or born again into the kingdom of God. And it's the Spirit who seals us unto the day of redemption, as Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. Now, let me give this as an illustration to help us understand. I am a son to my mom. I am a husband to my lovely wife. And I am a father to my children. But which of these is me? Which of these is the man? Well, of course, all of these is who I am. All of these define a man. But I serve in all three different responsibilities, all three different offices, if you will. And the, the Trinity has three persons, Father, Son, and spirit. But which one is God? Well, all three are God. And all three have their different office or their different functions. So, why did the Holy Spirit come, Robert? 
Well, there are multiple ministries of the Holy Spirit, and we're not going to talk about all of them today, but let's just enumerate four of them in particular. Number one, in John chapter 16 and verse 14, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God came to glorify Christ. And it stands to reason that when we allow Holy Spirit, who lives in us as Christians, to rule over our lives, that the Spirit in us will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. More than that, He creates in our hearts a sincere desire to glorify Jesus with the totality of our being. And the more we grow in Christ-likeness, the more we grow in sanctification, the greater our desire to glorify Jesus Christ with all of our lives. And it's because of Holy Spirit who lives within us. Number two, the Spirit came to lead us into all truth. John chapter 16 and verse 13 tells us that the Spirit Himself will lead you into all truth. Jesus was speaking to His disciples when He told them this. And we understand that it's the Spirit who illumines our minds. He's the one who opens up our understanding when it comes time to read the Scriptures. Now, I have Christian friends and sometimes lost people who say to me, well, when I read the Bible, it's just like an old history book. It's dry and boring, and I don't understand it. When someone says that to me, I know that I'm listening to someone who's either spiritually dead, and the Holy Spirit does not live in them, or it's a Christian who's not allowing Holy Spirit to control their life, and not allowing the Spirit in them to teach them the Bible. The Spirit came to lead us into all truth. And when Christians allow Holy Spirit to control their lives, then the Spirit opens the Scripture to them and He illumines the Scripture. The Scripture comes alive to a Spirit-controlled believer. Number three, the Bible says that the Spirit came to give us abundant life. In John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, the Bible tells us that Jesus stood up that great day, that last great day of the feast, and He said, If any man thirst, let him come to Me. And He said, I will give him rivers of living water. Out of his inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible tells us that He was talking about the Spirit which was not yet given. And so the Spirit of God, all through the Bible, is referred to as living water. And Jesus was saying to His listeners that if they were spiritually thirsty, and if they would come to Him, that He would impart to them the Spirit of God, and that the Spirit would be the agent of abundant life. In fact, Jesus told His disciples that I am come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. And then fourthly, the Spirit came to empower us to witness. Acts 1.8 says that, the Spirit, that when the Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. The word there is dunamis, the same word that we use for dynamite. When the Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, it didn't say that we might be witnesses. 
It said, you shall be witnesses. And one of the primary signs of a Spirit-filled Christian is talking about Jesus. All through the book of Acts, whenever we see the Spirit of God filling the Christians there, almost invariably, the Bible tells us that they boldly went forth and testified and witnessed about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true in our lives. When we allow Holy Spirit who lives in us to control our lives, one of the things that we do is that we boldly and courageously witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18 uses the words, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Whenever we see that word filled, just substitute the word controlled. Being controlled by Holy Spirit is basically what it means to be filled with Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit really means to be filled with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, is that famous teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ where He likened Himself to the vine. And he tells us that we have to abide in the vine. He said that we should stay connected to him as the vine. And that as long as we're connected, we'll be fruit, fruitful and bearing fruit. And as if we are disconnected from the vine, then the branch becomes all dried and withered up and it no longer is able to bear fruit. And Jesus said those branches would be gathered up and cast into the fire. But as long as we abide in Jesus, stay connected to Jesus, who is our vitality, who is the source of our spiritual life, then we derive from Him our spiritual life, our spiritual sustenance. And to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The second thing is that we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And when we stay connected to Jesus, when we allow the Spirit in us to control us, then He produces in us real, genuine fruit. Not artificial, not plastic, not fake, but the real fruit of the Spirit. And it's not for our convenience or our comfort, it's for the glory of God. He also produces in us the, uh, the uh, ability to be an effective witness, as we've already said. And the fourth thing I would say is that we will be growing in Christ by applying the Word to our lives. Colossians 3.16 tells us that when we abide in Jesus Christ, that we're able to apply the Scripture to our lives and the, the, the Spirit in us allows us to grow to be like Jesus Christ and we grow in wisdom and in truth and in our understanding of the Scriptures. Robert, why is the average Christian not filled or not controlled by the Holy Spirit? That's a great question, and I've asked myself that question many times over the years. 
it's interesting because I, I heard a, a famous evangelist many years ago say that he thought that more than 90% of Christian folk in the average church do not understand the Spirit-controlled life and do not walk in the Spirit. And that's a, a frustrating thing. Uh, and it explains why so many Christians don't bear fruit. That's why so many Christians aren't effective in sharing the Gospel. And they don't experience the joy of the Christian life or the patience that's one of the fruits of the Spirit or the self-control that we all so desperately need if we're going to live like Jesus Christ. And so I guess in my way of looking at it, if I, when I look at all the folks around me, I think part of it is, number one, a lack of knowledge, Miss Carlotta. So many people simply do not understand what I'm teaching about today. They don't have any knowledge of what it means to be a spirit-controlled Christian. And I look back to my early years as a believer. I grew up in a rural country Baptist church, and I don't ever remember anyone teaching about the spirit-controlled Christian life. I remember people speaking about the Holy Spirit, but there was no formal teaching about how to be a spirit-controlled believer. And then I think also it's a lack of faith. You know, the Bible tells us that, the, that we, we live our Christian lives by faith, and faith is the catalyst that makes everything work in the Christian life. And I'm satisfied that there's a lot of folks that just don't really believe that the Holy Spirit in them will actually conform them to the image of Jesus Christ, will actually produce the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, will actually give them boldness to be an effective witness, would actually um, enable them to grow more like the Master as every day goes by. And so I think sometimes it's just a lack of faith on the part of, of believers. So how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean and, and how does it happen? Well, first of all, Miss Carlotta, I think it's we're filled with the Spirit by faith alone. You know, Colossians 2.6 says that as you have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him. Well, we all know that we receive Christ by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, but it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, we walk in the Spirit by faith. We just simply have to trust that God will work through the Spirit in us to make us more like Jesus Christ. We are filled with the Spirit by faith. There's no magic formula. There are no magic steps that we take in order to be Spirit-controlled Christians. Now, I do think that we have to have a sincere desire, a heart's desire, to be Spirit-controlled. Uh, Matthew 5, 6 uh, tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I believe that, it, that, that Christians who have a sincere hunger and thirst after righteousness, that God will honor that in their lives. And that when I begin to understand that it's the Spirit of God in me who produces in me the fruit of the Spirit, who produces in me a sincere uh, willingness to, to speak the truth of the gospel, then I, I have to realize that 
I have to trust the Spirit in me to make me an effective witness, to produce in me the fruit of the Spirit. And that desire within me, I believe God honors that sincere desire. And I, I have to have a desire to live a life that will please the Lord. Now, the second thing is, is a confession of sin. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Miss Carlotta, I know that you do not drink anything out of a dirty glass, do you? No, I'm very OCD about that. I know you are. And I'm just saying that most of our listeners are the same way. They don't want to drink anything out of a dirty glass. I couldn't drink after my babies. <laughs> well, you know, the Spirit of God does not fill a dirty vessel. I believe the presence of the Spirit of God and the presence of sin in our lives are mutually exclusive. And it's imperative that we learn how to confess our sin as soon as the Spirit convicts us of sin. We can't save our confession of sin until the next day. We can't save it until Sunday morning at church. We can't save it until spring revival. The confession of sin has to be instantaneous. Whenever the Spirit of God puts His thumb on our heart and says, Robert, you shouldn't have been thinking that way. You shouldn't be talking that way. You shouldn't be living that way. Then I must be willing to stop immediately and confess it and ask forgiveness so that I can con continue to live as a clean vessel. Otherwise, the Spirit of God is not going to be willing to sit on the throne of my heart control my life, and conform me to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So confession of sin is an important part of walking in the Spirit, being a Spirit-controlled believer. The next thing I would say is a willingness to surrender the control of my life to the Heavenly Father. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Now, there's a problem with living sacrifices. And the problem is that those living sacrifices are always crawling off the altar. And I find that to be true in my own life. I have to continually place my life on the altar and be willing to take the spiritual dagger and put it in my heart. And as Jesus said, He said if we would be His disciples, that we have to take up our cross daily and follow after Him. And it's a daily dying to ourselves, dying to our own, our own ambitions, our own desires, in order to be willing to follow after the Lord Jesus and to be willing to obey Him in every respect. There's a daily surrender of the control of our lives to the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And I think that every Christian has to have a, a daily prayer protocol, as I call it, wherein they express to the Heavenly Father their sincere desire to be completely surrendered to, to the presence of Holy Spirit who lives in them, 
to ask the Holy Spirit to forgive them of the sin in their lives and expressing a sincere desire to walk in righteousness. Now, my prayer every morning when I, when I start out my day is I start off by saying, Father, I know that You live within me. I'm asking You to forgive me of the sin in my life and I have to be specific. If I know what that sin is, I'm going to confess it specifically. And then I say, Holy Spirit, I pray that You would rule over my soul, own and possess my life, producing me the fruit of the Spirit, not for my comfort, not for my convenience, but for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout this day, I pray that You would glorify Jesus in my life. Teach me in the Scripture when I read it this morning. Lead me in prayer what I'm praying today. And I pray that today you would open my mouth and allow me to, to, to share the gospel boldly and courageously. And I also pray that the Spirit in me would be a life-giving presence for my family, for the employees at my medical practice, and in the life of my patients with whom I interact on a, day, on a daily basis. And that's my daily prayer, asking the Holy Spirit who lives within me to sit on the throne of my life, to control my life, and to empower me to be an effective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and to allow me to have the aroma of Christ all about me. Now, many years ago, there was a man who lived in, in Florida who lived all alone like a hermit, and he very rarely sought out medical attention. And ultimately, he died. And when some of the people in the community went to his home to evaluate, uh, they found hundreds of thousands of dollars stashed all over his home. And yet this man had lived as a pauper. He walked everywhere he went. He lived in what we call in the South a shotgun house. It was so full of holes, you could have shot it with a shotgun and barely even hit anything in the house. And the pellets would have gone completely through the house. And he lived in, in, in poverty. He lived all alone. He had money to buy an automobile if he wanted one and pay cash for it. He could have upgraded to a much nicer home. He could have purchased health care insurance and gone to see the finest doctors in town and yet he didn't do any of that despite the fact that his home was filled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash that he'd accumulated over the years. And I submit to you that there are many Christians I know who are just like that man living in spiritual poverty. Within their heart lives the very person and power of God. The Spirit of God lives within them. And I would look at them and say, what, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, who you have from God and who lives within you? Therefore glorify God with your mind and your body, as Paul tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And people are simply not aware that within them is a vast spiritual resource that's available to enable them to live lives of spiritual victory, lives of spiritual power, 
Lives that glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lives that allow them to understand the Scripture when they read it and to pray with spiritual power. It's amazing to me that so many Christians simply do not know who the Holy Spirit is. They don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They don't know how to submit themselves to the presence and power of Holy Spirit so that He can be at work in their lives, conforming them to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me give you one other illustration. Many, many years ago, right after World War II, there was a man who lived in Texas. His name was Yates. And he was living on government subsidy, he and his family. And one day a government seismological team came to his property and said they would like to look around and see if they could find oil on his property. Well, he laughed and he told them there was no oil on his property. But after a few weeks of looking, they drilled and found what has become known as the Yates Pool, named after this man and his family. The very first day, it yielded over 186,000 barrels of oil. And subsequent wells have been more productive than that initial well. And this man was living on government subsidy. And I would say to you that there are Christian people who listen to me this moment who have the vast resources, the vast power of the Holy Spirit of God living in their heart, within their very person, and they have never tapped into that spiritual power, never had a sincere desire to allow Holy Ghost to control and empower their lives, never allowing Holy Spirit to open the Scripture to them, never allowing Holy Spirit to lead them in prayer, never allowing Holy Spirit to embolden them in their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And all I'm saying is that it's imperative that we as Christians not live like Mr. Yates on government subsidy when there are vast spiritual resources just beneath the surface of the earth. And brothers and sisters, underneath the surface within each of us lives the Spirit of God, who is the very person and power of God, who is holy and righteous and true, and who is able to enable us to live extraordinary lives, even though we're all just ordinary people. But there's an extraordinary power within us. And that spiritual power, if we simply confess our sins, express a sincere desire for Holy Spirit to rule over our souls, and if we submit our lives to Him every day, gladly and sincerely submitting to His authority and His Lordship, then the Bible tells us plainly that the Holy Spirit will every day make us more fruitful in the Christian life, more productive in the Christian life, and will make us more like the Master. Isn't that what we sing in the hymns of the great of the faith? More like the Master I would ever be. More of His mercy more humility? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit came to do for each of us. I challenge you, my listeners, every day, work on submitting yourself completely to the presence of Holy Spirit. Make sure that you confess your sins and express your sincere desire to have the Holy Spirit 
within you be the Lord over the entirety of your life. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for More Than Medicine.